0: Well, a very pleasant uh, good morning to each one of you. Thank you for coming and being here with us in this particular place and assembling yourself together with God's people here at Fairview Park. If you are visiting with us, as I know we have several that are visiting, uh, we are certainly glad that you have chosen to uh, come and worship God with us here this morning to praise and to glorify our great God and Father in heaven, to remember His Son, to Be thankful for His Spirit and the Word that He has revealed to us. And we are thankful that you have decided to come and to assemble together with us not only to think about God and to honor and glorify Him, but also to encourage one another and to build one another up in our common faith in the Lord Jesus the Christ. Uh, We are certainly glad to finally be here in Little Rock I don't know how it has been from your perspective as a congregation for the last uh, three months or so, as uh, you and the elders extended the invitation to me and my family to come and to work with you. Uh, the last three months, at least, from my perspective, has been kind of a blur. <laughs> it has been somewhat of a whirlwind, and you can imagine uh, all the things that we have had to deal with and uh, moving from one state to another. Uh, this is the first time that uh, we, about three years ago as we lived in Kentucky, uh, changed houses, but that was just an across-town move, and this was the first time that uh, we have moved with children uh, to a, another place in another state, and so uh, this is our kids' first time to be in a different state besides Kentucky. They were all born uh, there in that particular state, but we are certainly glad uh, to be here. We are thankful for the, the invitation Uh, the opportunity that you have given to me and my family to uh, work with you as we work together in the Lord's Vineyard here. Uh, The sermon that I prepared today, I hope, will be beneficial and helpful to each one of us. As I was walking in this morning and just talking with several of you, I was wondering if uh, this is the monsoon season in Arkansas. (laughs) Because it seems like almost every day that we've been here, uh, maybe a couple of exceptions in the last couple of weeks, It has rained at least a part of uh, each day. Maybe the Lord knows that there's a dry spill that will be coming later on. I don't know, but the Lord certainly always takes care of us. So thinking about that, I thought maybe I should have decided to preach on Noah and the ark (laughs) this morning. Uh, But nevertheless, I I trust that our time together spent in the Word of God will uh, be of help and benefit to you and your walk with God And will help us not only individually as we strive to be more like Christ each day, but will help us congregationally as we here collectively work toward that end. I want to say also before I begin my lesson, uh, thank you to all of you. Uh, We, over the last number of months, have received a a number of cards. Uh, Maybe some of the encouragement groups or I don't know, just individuals have Uh, sent us cards and that certainly made us feel uh, warm and welcome before we even arrived here Uh, and keep that up, (laughs) Uh, not just for my family, but for uh, any visitors that might be here. But to many of you that have just shown many acts of kindness and and hospitality and generosity to us and uh, providing food for us or providing gift cards or uh, just a a whole host of things, uh, offering your help, Offering your possessions to us, as the early Christians did back in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. Uh, all of those things. Thank you for, for all of that. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to uh, the time that we will have here together. I hope it's a number of years. We, it was kind of a little bit difficult to leave after 13 years of working with the congregation in E-Town. And that congregation was not like family. They are family and will always be family But I'm hoping that we will have that same kind of working relationship here, that we will be brothers and sisters in the Lord and we can accomplish a lot of good to the glory of God uh, together. When we read the New Testament letters, we sometimes may have the tendency to kind of gloss over the the opening and closing sections of those letters, somehow thinking that maybe those introductions and conclusions are nothing more than kind of filler, uh, things that contain greetings from the writer to the audience or maybe some of those letters as we think of the end of the book of Romans in chapter 16, especially as a prime example, containing names that we're not familiar with, that aren't common to 21st century America, that we may not know how to pronounce, that we really don't know anything about these individuals other than what may be stated in one verse of the scriptures. However, it is always the case that the beginning and ending of an epistle contain important, if not very vital and crucial, information for us today. And sometimes the beginning or the end, or maybe both, of an epistle, a letter in the first century, may even hold the key to understanding that particular book of the New Testament. Such is the case, I believe, when we think about the book 2 Peter. In my judgment, in my estimation, the last two verses of that book reveal Peter's main point to us. And so rather than starting the book and getting the main point and maybe thinking about that all the way through the book, we have to wait till the end. This morning, what I want us to do is to center our attention on 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, and its message of beware but grow. I don't know if I have the right clicker here or not. I may just have to use the arrow keys. Beware but grow. Read with me, if you will, in your own Bible, whether you're reading from a paper version or whether you're reading from a digital version this morning. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17, beginning. Peter states here, You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand... Be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. As we think about this thought this morning of beware but grow from this text, I want us to just examine the text, and I'm already behind. (laughs) That's not a good sign already behind in the PowerPoint this morning, but to just examine this text for just a moment. This thought of beware but grow, I believe, as I stated just a moment ago to you, really is the main point of Peter's message here in 2 Peter. In my mind, it is kind of the grand conclusion to the entire epistle. It is, I believe, what Peter emphasizes throughout this short book. In chapter 1, just to kind of summarize this short letter of 2 Peter the apostle Peter begins, I believe, with a message of growth. Sometimes if you go back and look in your Bible, or at least in your mind, back to 2 Peter chapter 1, we have uh, recorded for us there, at least in verses 5, 6, and 7, what are often called the Christian virtues or the Christian graces. And basically, Peter begins that book by telling us, this is how we can be like Jesus Christ. This is the kind of people that we need to be, not necessarily the kind of things that we need to be doing. But first and foremost, this is the kind of individuals that we have been called to be. Although these, as Peter begins this letter, although these beloved brethren, as he says, had escaped the the world's corrupting lust through their obedient faith in Christ, they had left the world behind and now they were joined to Christ. He tells them also at the beginning of this book that they needed to truly become partakers of the divine nature. And he says, you become partakers of the divine nature. You become like God, if you will. Maybe this kind of ties in a little bit with Brent's lesson in the nine o'clock session this morning that we are to be image bearers of God, but we become partakers, participants in the divine nature by growing our character, by growing our actions to the point that our character looks like that of Jesus Christ, our actions, our life looks like that of Christ himself. And so Peter begins this short epistle with a message of growth. In chapter two then, may seem a little bit strange to us because it may seem like he just totally changes his train of thought here. But in chapter two, Peter basically spends that entire chapter warning these Christians about false teachers. Here in this chapter, I think he hits this topic of false teachers and false teaching very hard. He vividly describes, as you remember as the chapter goes on, especially the last half of this chapter, just a very vivid Description in great detail about the motives, the actions, the attitudes, even the end, the destruction of false teachers and their destructive influence upon the saints. And he says, These are coming, just like there have been false prophets and false teachers in the past, that they will be present in your generation. And then, as I see this book anyway, in chapter three, I think the Apostle Peter combines both of those ideas as he closes this book. He combines that admonition about false teachers with an encouragement for these Christians to grow. He is urging them here at chapter three to beware of those who would mock or make fun of the Lord's promise to return, that it's been so long and things just from our earthly perspective, our earthly eye, seem to continue going as they has always been and Peter says that the middle part of this chapter, that's not so. (laughs) The word of the Lord has changed a lot of things. By the word of the Lord, he spoke things into existence. Again, as Brent pointed out to us this morning. And one day by the word of the Lord, he's going to end everything. And we're going to stand in judgment before him. But Peter here in this chapter, in summing up this book, he is urging these brethren to beware of those who would make fun of the Lord's promise to come back and those who would take the word of God, the pure word of God, and twist the scriptures to their own destruction. But at the same time as he ends this book, he is also urging and encouraging them to continue to grow in Jesus Christ. So to me anyway, putting 2 Peter 3, verses 17 and 18 into the greater context of the entire book, I think helps us to understand what Peter says to us here in these final two verses and perhaps even why he says What he does. So the first message here, verses 14 through 17, is the message Beware. We've already read verse 17, but let's go back and notice verse 14 beginning as Peter does begin to conclude everything that he said in this book. He says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, the things he just talked about, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. As also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard or beware, so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men, And fall from your own steadfastness. It seems to me that there were some among this uh, audience that he addresses here, some among these saints, or perhaps maybe some that had come in the past, some that were coming to them in the future, that they were teaching that which was false. But they were not only teaching something that wasn't true, something that was error, as we just mentioned back in chapter two, as Peter goes into that long description of false teachers that they also had the character that he had described back in chapter 2. They had the character of false teachers. They they were all in this for themselves. They they weren't teaching what they were teaching, trying in some way in their own uh, warped thinking to glorify God. They were trying to glorify themselves and make themselves look good. Peter describes them here as he kind of did back in chapter 2, that these individuals were unprincipled men, he said. They, They didn't have a standard by which they were following. Uh, they were untaught, he says, and unstable in the word. They, they may have sa- said some words or phrases that sounded good, that sounded like they knew what they were talking about, but they really were untaught and they, they were not stable. They were not growing up in Christ. That They were teaching, therefore, error. They were twisting the scriptures, as we've already mentioned this morning, especially maybe even the difficult scriptures that Peter writes about there at verse 16, some things that Paul wrote. You can think about some difficult passages in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote that we perhaps even still struggle today to fully grasp or understand everything that Paul was saying there. And they were taking the Scriptures, the Word of God, and twisting them again to make them say what they wanted them to say, to perhaps reflect well on them so that they would look good and they would prosper and be successful in some physical, financial, earthly way. Well, Peter, at the end of this book, is warning these brethren again to beware. He says, be on guard. It's the idea of being on high alert. It's the idea of being constantly watchful. Uh, I, I know, I guess, I, I don't know. We, we had, Back in uh, E-Town, we had a, a number of uh, individuals in, in the congregation there that were in the military, ex-military. Uh, I've never served in the military. I don't know all the protocols and everything, but just... As a citizen of this country, uh, you probably, if, if you're of any age at all, you might have remembered a number of years ago after 9-11, uh, even on, on, if you were watching the news or something, it might have down at the bottom the thing that was scrolling, kind of like the alert level for our country. <laughs> and that remained on high for a long, long time. And I believe that is the idea, really, that Peter is trying to get across to these Christians and to us that we always need to be on guard. We must be on high alert at all times for these teachers. But also he is saying to them in verse 17, you need to be on high alert. You need to be watchful or on guard for yourselves so that you are not carried away by your own desires, by your own fleshly impulses, by your own emotions. And you yourself teach or preach or practice something that is not true. If these brethren that he is addressing here in this book, if they allowed these false teachers to sweep them off their feet with a message that really sounded good and great, with their enticing doctrines that were not the doctrine of Christ, Peter gives them a warning here in this, this verse, verse 17 of chapter 3. He says, You will fall from your own steadfast stand on the word of God and the word of God only, And you will fall from your own steadfast stand with Jesus, the Christ who is the Word. And your end will be the same end as that of the false teacher. You will be eternally destroyed. Again, that's not the only message that he gives there. He says, beware, but also grow in verse 18 again. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word but here in verse 18 I think it is a word of connection, obviously, to what he just said in verse 17. It's a word of contrast as well. As if, as Peter is ending, as he is concluding, wrapping up this short letter to these brethren, it is as if he is saying to them, it's not enough that you're just not ignorant or that you're not unstable in the word. It was not enough that they did, did not distort the word of God as these false teachers were doing in any way. It was not enough that they were not moved away from the Word of God, that they were steadfastly uh, holding to the Word and holding to Jesus Christ. He says to them here, the grand conclusion at verse 18 is, while you're doing that, at the same time, you need to be growing in the Word. And specifically, you and us today, we need to be growing in He who is the Word incarnate, Jesus the Christ. This instruction, and it is an instruction, it is a command if you want to look at it that way. It's an instruction that the Apostle Peter is giving to these Christians. He says to them, grow. He's not saying this is something that is optional. He's not saying this is something that you can leave or take. This is something that you can do if you feel like doing it, but if you don't feel like doing it, that's fine as well. And you can still be pleasing to the Lord and you can still enjoy eternal life. He says, grow. It is an instruction. It is a command, if you will. But I believe this word grow is not something that's just a one-time thing. It is a continual action verb, and it carries with it, from what I understand, the the sense of keep on growing. Yes, you, you beware of all these dangers that are out here, out in the world, and maybe even within the Lord's body, within the Lord's church, His people. But at the same time, you keep on growing. And that says to me anyway that growing in Christ is, it is an everyday pursuit. It is a lifelong pursuit just because you have been a Christian for 50 or 60 or 70 years. I don't know if there are any in this audience that have been a child of God that long. But you can't reach the point in this life anyway where you just sit down and say, okay, I'm done growing. It is a constant, continual, lifelong pursuit. That's one truth I get out of verse 18, but more than that, what I want us to see this morning is that true spiritual growth, I believe, is the divine solution to falling away from our own steadfastness in Jesus Christ. It is the preventative measure. This is what God has prescribed for us, that if we are going to remain steady in our walk with Jesus Christ, if we are going to be able to stand up to the devil with our armor on and we're going to say no to him at every turn, whether that is in false teaching and false teachers, whether that is in just the temptations that we face every day in this life, whatever it is that the devil throws our way, we can remain steady on our course and we can be steadfast and persevere in Jesus Christ, but only to the extent that we are growing in him. One writer said it this way. He said, continuing, rather, spiritual growth is the effective safeguard against falling. And I believe that's absolutely right. The only way we can remain steadfast and loyal to God and to His Son, Jesus Christ, is to keep growing in Him. The the right kind of growth defeats every dart that the devil may throw our way. It defeats us drifting away from the Lord. It defeats us being ignorant of God's Word. It defeats instability in our life that, that we're going to reach the point where we are stable Christians. It prevents us just wholesale falling away from Christ and doing away with His Word and not listening to His Word, not caring about His Word, not living His Word. Growing in Christ. It is the key, I believe, as Peter began this book again, as we go back to chapter 1. It is the key to never stumbling and to entering into Christ's eternal kingdom. Notice back in 2 Peter 1, beginning at verse 10, as Peter was making some uh, concluding observations about what he had just said about our character. He says there in verse 10, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Peter had just said, sometimes we we read this passage and only read verses 5, 6, and 7. We need to read verses 8, 9, 10, and 11 as well. Because going back to verse 8, Peter says, it's not just enough that you have these spiritual characteristics that are characteristics of God himself. But we have to be increasing in them. We have to be growing in them. We have to be abounding in them. And so verse 10, he says, this is how we can be certain about our, his calling and choosing us as his people, that as long as we are practicing these things, we will never stumble. I don't know what you think about that particular language, and I'm not sure exactly 100% what I think about it. <laughs> I don't not, do not believe Peter is saying here that as long as we are, are adding to our faith virtue and virtue knowledge and knowledge temperance and all those characteristics he mentions in verses 5 through 7 that we're never going to sin as Christians. I believe there's lots of other verses and examples throughout the Scriptures and just in our own experience as Christians, we know we're, we're going to sin from time to time. But we will not stumble to the point that we will just totally fall away from the Lord and totally give up our relationship with Him and just abandon our pursuit of God. So steady spiritual growth in Christ means that we are always aware of false teachers and false teaching, but at the same time we are growing into the image of the Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ Himself. This theme of beware but grow, I would suggest to you, is not just unique to the Apostle Peter in writing 2 Peter. I believe as you read through the the letters in the New Testament, you'll find that this is very much a recurring theme. The passage that our brother Don read for us as we began in our worship period this morning from Ephesians chapter four, he read the, the uh, entire section, really I want us to focus on this morning, 11 through 16. But notice again, if you turn back there in your Bible for just a minute, or at least in your mind, to verse 14, beginning, he says to us, Paul does, that as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Notice here this theme, I I think, is present in this passage of beware but grow. Paul is admonishing the saints and faithful ones here in the city of Ephesus to, to not be all over the map in their knowledge of Christ, in their knowledge of the Word, to not be all over the map in their life as a Christian. But he encourages them at the same time to grow up. Grow up into the head who is Jesus the Christ, And as our brother Don again read back to verse 11, how do we do that? That's a whole nother sermon or maybe a series of sermons. But those of us who are evangelists, pastors and teachers, we have a very vital role to play in that in the life of Christians, in the life of a local congregation that we need to be equipping the saints to do the work of service for the building up of the body of Christ until we're all attaining unity and maturity in Christ. I think Peter or Paul rather here in Ephesians 4 is really saying what Peter is saying in 2 Peter 3. We need to beware but grow. And then a couple of references from the book of Colossians as Paul wrote that book as well obviously in Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 beginning. uh, Paul writes here, therefore as you have received Jesus Christ the Lord so walk in him having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and in overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Drop down to verses 18 and 19. It's a, you know, Paul picks up this same thought again. He says in verse 18, "'Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize,' By delighting in self abasement in the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. There's a lot, obviously, that Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, a lot of, as Peter was saying, uh, difficult statements. Uh, even for someone who is a, a mature Christian and has had a lot of association with the word of God, there can be some difficult things that he says here in Colossians 2. But Paul was warning the saints here at Colossians in this chapter, don't, don't be captivated by anything or anyone other than Jesus Christ. Don't be captivated by false teachers who might have been teaching a worldly philosophy of a number of things, a combination of things. Some have suggested maybe they were teaching asceticism. You just kind of you know, uh, mutilate yourselves. Some suggested there, that these false teachers were teaching a worldly philosophy of Judaism, spiritualism, maybe it was all of those and other things kind of rolled into one. Whatever that might be, he is warning them here, beware of that. But at the same time, did you notice in these verses, he's also urging and encouraging these brethren to keep growing in Christ, to continue to be built up in Christ. Into chapter 3, maybe he makes it even more practical here at verse 5. Just notice these verses I have here on the screen. Verse 5, Paul says, Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, The American Standard has, that's sexual immorality in many versions or fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Uh, Verse 8, But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Drop down to verse 12. Paul goes on to instruct these brethren to us. He says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then it seems in my mind that he wraps up this whole discussion that he began back in chapter 3 and verse 1 when he comes to verse 17, he says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Paul again was urging these same brethren, he had just, as we just noticed here in chapter 2, giving them a warning, but also an encouragement. And here he is urging these same brethren to cast off all the works of the flesh, to cast off all those sins that had weighed them down that they had participated in before they became Christians, while at the same time they were to clothe themselves with Christ's character to the point that we get to chapter 3 and verse 17, to the point that whatever we say or do is done in the name of Christ, to the point that we get in our lives, in our walk with Christ, where everything that we say and do and think is the result of Christ's rule in our hearts and in our lives. Until we reach that point, brothers and sisters, we must continue to beware but grow. And I would suggest to you that in this life, we're not going to fully 100% reach that point. So as long as we're alive here on earth and drawing breath, we need to continue to beware but grow. This, again, is our life's calling. Well, just to bring this lesson home this morning, if if you haven't gotten the main message of the sermon yet this hour, I want you to get it now. That beware but grow is vitally important. It is vitally important to us individually as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, but more than that, it is vitally important to the life of this church and the life of any local church. We, we cannot dismiss the words of Peter at the end of 2 Peter and just say that's, that's his conclusion to the book. He just, you know, he, he, uh, I used to put together a weekly bulletin. Sometimes I wrote articles. Sometimes I used articles that, that other preachers or just, even some of the members there in E-Town began writing some articles for that. And as the editor of that, I had the luxury of changing the font size. <laughs> and so if somebody wrote an article that was too long, I could put it in a smaller font size and fit it into that space. Or if they or I was writing an article and needed, needed to extend it to fill up the space, I could put some more words in there. Peter wasn't doing that when he ended this book, though. Beware, but grow is essential. It is an essential message for us to get individually and collectively I don't know about you, but it has been my experience, not just in the time that I've been preaching, but just in the time that I've been a Christian, that it seems to me that there are a number of individual Christians and even a number of local churches that are kind of either or on this important truth. And let me tell you what I mean by this. Either they are are Christians or a congregation that is just very extremely diligent to, to beware, to be on guard against false teaching, to be on guard against worldliness and all kinds of errors, whether they are taught or practiced congregationally or individually. But but they don't seem to be very concerned about growing in Christ. As long as we just make sure that the wrong things aren't taught here or practiced, then we're good. On the other hand, there are individual Christians and congregations, in my observation, that just seem to be all about growth. Sometimes, and hopefully that is the right kind of growth. Maybe we'll talk about that in some lessons in the future. But hopefully they're focused on spiritual growth, relational growth in the body of Christ in the life of that local church. But sometimes those Christians or churches are just focused on what I would call physical growth, visible growth. You know, we're baptizing X number of people or we're enlarging our facilities or our contribution is growing by X amount of dollars every week. But those churches are not too concerned about the real spiritual dangers that are out there. And they are real. And so what I am suggesting to you today as we begin our work together is that we as a congregation, we as individuals, we must do both. And that may seem like an insurmountable task sometimes. I, I know I have been overwhelmed by that at times. And we're not going to perfectly (laughs) do both at the same time, but we at least need to have that mindset. We need to be aware of what is false in our world. But we shouldn't be so focused on just defeating error that we don't take the time or we forget about or we don't prioritize growing in Christ. We must be aware, I think, as Christians and even as a congregation, especially for the three brothers that are serving as shepherds of this flock, we must be aware of attacks on the faith, on the word of God. We must be aware individually of attacks on our faith as Christians. And yes, we must stand against that which is wrong, while at the same time, we must make sure that we are actually experiencing growth, that that battle that we are waging with the war with the devil is not in any way at all hindering our growth in Jesus Christ. To beware but grow, I I believe is a mark of maturity. It's not something that we just naturally come out of the waters of baptism and boom, we've got it. (laughs) We, We have to progress to that point. But wherever you are this morning, if you're a new babe, in Jesus Christ, or if you're an old soldier of the cross, you you and I ought to be making progress. We ought to be making progress every day of our life. Every moment that we draw breath, we ought to be looking more and more like Jesus. And and sometimes I I realize that may be very slow, that process may be. Sometimes we may, may, from our perspective or judgment anyway, we may think we've taken one step forward and two or three steps back. That's okay, Don't, don't give up. Keep going in the right direction. But we have to be growing. We have to be maturing in our faith, in our walk with Jesus Christ. What about you this morning as we close our lesson? Are you doing that? Are you maturing in Christ? Maybe you're, I remember being a young Christian, even a young preacher, just being frustrated a lot. <laughs> because I could see truths in the scripture. I could, I could see Changes that I need to make in my life, and just because of my immaturity or lack of knowledge, I didn't really know how to make those changes. I didn't know how to get this particular bad habit or routine or sin out of my life and put Jesus and truth in there. But the one thing you cannot do is give up. What about you this morning? Are you maturing in Christ? Are you making steady progress to being more like Him? Are you growing up into the head? our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Maybe the better question to ask as we close this sermon this morning is, are you in Christ? <laughs> Have you even started down that road? Have you begun that relationship, that walk with Christ? And it is not a relationship, it's not a fellowship like marriage that is going to end, as we say in our marriage vows, oftentimes till death do us part. It is a relationship and a fellowship that will continue eternally. If you're not a Christian this morning and you decide to become one, you are beginning something that is going to have no end to it. And it's going to be very beautiful here in this life, but certainly in that which is to come. If you're not a child of God and you need to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ, this is a perfect opportunity for you to do that. This isn't the only opportunity, but it is a good opportunity. And I feel confident that if you would come this morning And confess your faith that Jesus is the Christ, He is the Son of God. If you would come this morning and say, I'm turning away from my old life of sin and self, I'm repenting of my sins, in essence, I'm giving up my will and I'm replacing it with God's will. If you would come this morning and be buried in the waters of baptism, you can have all of your sins washed away. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 that you can rise out of the waters of baptism and walk in newness of life. There'll be challenges, there'll be obstacles. There'll be detours. There will be problems that you still have to deal with, but you will have the power of God himself. Again, Brent spoke to us so so eloquently and passionately about this morning at nine o'clock. You will have the power of the being who created everything that we know and created us in his image at your disposal to help you in that walk. As we're about to sing this song of invitation and encouragement, there's a fountain free. Would you come and access that fountain? Would you come, as our brother Skip reminded us this morning, and access the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ as we can access his blood in the waters of baptism and walk to rise to walk in newness of life? Whatever your condition might be this morning, if you're struggling as a Christian to grow, if you just, maybe there's not sin in your life, but you just need the prayers and encouragement of your brethren here. However, we can be of help to you if you need to respond to the invitation of Christ. Do that now as we stand and as we sing.